You filled your belly. I couldn't eat another thing. I'm absolutely stuffed. Now fill your brain with lightning knowledge. What can I do to speed the whole thing up, doctor? This is Lightning Lunch, a full hour of lightning talk with lightninginsider.com's Eric Erlinson. Did you see the memo about this? On Lightning Power Play. Good afternoon. Welcome to this Thursday, February the 13th edition of Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson from lightninginsider.com, your host, also host of the opening face-off show. You can hear today at 4.30. We run that show most home games, most home games. Um, different format if you're not familiar, if you're just checking the show out for the first time. I uh, do appreciate you listening, but the opening face-off, again, does air 4.30 today. We do have a player interview that we play during that show, plus always a good, really good conversation with Bobby the Chief Taylor. And as I say, you never know where the conversation's going with Chief, so uh, you have to listen in. Uh, today we did sit down and talk to Braden Point uh, for the first time this year, so Braden will join us on that show a little bit later. Uh, no opening face-off on Saturday, however. Uh, logistic issues tend to get in the way with 4 p.m. starts, um, so we're not able to bring an opening face-off show to you on Saturday. But again, most most home games, you can hear the opening face-off. Um, we are one day away from Valentine's Day. I hope you're taking care of what you need to take care of tomorrow. Um, not a lot of love for the lightning on the injury front, however. We will get deep into that conversation. Uh, I also want to talk to you about the Olympics. There's been some movement on that front, some encouraging movement. So we'll break down and maybe get some of your thoughts on NHL players and the NHL shutting down for the next Olympics in 2022. They're going to take place in China. And that possibility that maybe didn't look like it was going to happen, a chance at all that it was going to happen even six months ago, uh, there's been some movement on that front uh, in terms of the potential, some of the, the biggest blockades that were going to most likely prevent this from happening uh, seem to be alleviated. So uh, we're going to discuss those, what they are, and what it might mean for 2022. We're also going to talk to, we're scheduled to talk to Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet, a senior columnist. He's based in Edmonton. He's here with the team uh, today at Amelie Arena as the Lightning are hosting the Oilers tonight at 7 p.m. So hopefully Mark is uh, Mark has a chance to come up and chat with us about what's going on with the Oilers who have some injury issues of their own. No Connor McDavid tonight. McDavid is out two to three weeks with a quad injury. Basically he said it was a Charlie horse. Must be a pretty bad Charlie horse. Uh, around his, just above his knee uh, that uh, he, that happened over the weekend. Uh, he did not play in Edmonton's most recent game on Tuesday. Uh, they did still win that game against Chicago without McDavid as Leon Dreisaitl, who continues to pace the league in scoring. He's up to 89 points now uh, ahead of the trade deadline. He's on an incredible pace. Um, so we'll talk to Mark about uh, Dreisaitl. Uh, also about Kyler Yamamoto. Tyler Johnson was a popular guy in the Lightning locker room today because of his relationship with Yamamoto. They are both from Spokane, and they do train together a little bit in the summer, and, and uh, Tyler's got to know the family a, a little bit and knows uh, Kyler. So 
Uh, first opportunity for those two players to face off against each other. There's not a whole lot of players in the NHL from the state of Washington, let alone two from the city of Spokane. Uh, so Johnson and Yamamoto will face off for the first time uh, today. I was asking Tyler about that. He doesn't, he doesn't remember having played Kyler, uh, who was the first-round draft pick of the Oilers a couple years ago. Um, only spent a, a little bit of time up at the NHL last year uh, with the Oilers, and uh, Tyler's pretty sure that he, <laughs> he missed that, uh, that opportunity to play against them. So this will be the first chance for those two to uh, square off against each other in an NHL game. So we'll talk to Mark about that, as well as always, your comments, your questions. Uh, you can email me. Rich has already emailed in. Uh, Rich, I forgot to get to your uh, comment yesterday. I'll, I'll touch on that today, uh, as well as the one you sent in most recently. My email address is eric, E-R-I-K, at lightninginsider.com. That's E-R-I-K, at lightninginsider.com. Or, of course, if you want to tag me on Twitter, I'm at eric underscore Erlinson. That's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N and just use the hashtag AskEE and we'll get to those comments and questions. All right, let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush. Major news, intrigue over the last 36 hours or so. We talked yesterday. We didn't know what the status was of a Steven Stamkos, of a Nikita Kucherov, of Anthony Sorelli heading into tonight's game. The team was off yesterday, so they did not provide any updates as to those three players. Of course, Stamkos has missed the previous two games with a lower body injury, so he didn't play in Columbus or Pittsburgh. And then in the game against the Penguins, Sorelli took a shot off his leg. It looked like just above the knee area. Uh, an Evgeny Malkin shot. I think the Lightning will be happy to know that they don't have to face Evgeny Malkin anymore this year because it was also a Malkin shot that took out Ryan McDonough is going to keep him out for at least a couple of weeks. Um, so it was also a Malkin shot that Sorelli, uh, Anthony Sorelli had blocked on Tuesday. And then Nikita Kucherov left the game uh, after what looked like a pretty innocuous hit against or from Jack Johnson along the end boards. It didn't look or have the feel of anything that looked all that severe. Uh, all three of those players will miss tonight's game. So no Steven Stamkos, no Nikita Kucherov, no Anthony Sorelli for the game tonight. Uh, the team did call up yesterday Alex Volkov from Syracuse. It's funny, he's like the one player I don't think I mentioned as, an op as a possibility to call up. He completely escaped my mind. Uh, good thing nobody called me out on it, so I'm going to call myself out on it. I forgot about Volkov, who, you know, Volkov looked a little timid in his first call-up back in October. I think the second time he was called up earlier in January, I thought he looked much more comfortable and confident, looked more engaged, was more noticeable on the ice, created a couple of scoring chances. He was uh, more engaged in the battles. I think that's what you look for a lot with young players when they come up, how are they going to be able to handle those situations. Uh, so Volkov will be in the lineup tonight. Um, that's it. There's no other call-ups. Uh, Tampa Bay has 20 healthy players on the roster right now, uh, five injured players. Now, uh, I'll touch on this a little bit more, but part of Rich's question was he didn't see another roster move and anybody put on IR. The Lightning do not announce when they put players on injured reserve. 
Some teams do. The Lightning are not one of those teams. So it, it doesn't take much to let you know that it's Ryan McDonough who will go on IR. He's the one that's out, uh, you know, week to week was the, the comment that um, <clears throat> John Cooper had on Saturday. So we're not even in a week uh, to that situation. But Jan Ruda was placed on IR earlier this week when they called up Cameron Gauntz. McDonough will be the guy that's placed on IR to open up a roster spot to be able to call up Alex Volkov. So that's why you'll see tonight at when the game starts, the official scratches are going to be Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov, and Anthony Sorelli. They're not healthy scratches, but they're scratches. Remember, again, the roster limit is 23. So, uh, and, and I guess we'll get right into this because this is, again, part of Rich's question. Um, in order, if they were going to make up and make another call-up, they would have to have put somebody else on injured reserve, right? Injured reserve means you miss a minimum of seven days. Steven Stamkos did skate this morning. He was out on the ice. He did leave early. He wasn't out there for the full morning skate. He did not take part in power play drills. So at least he was on the ice. That's encouraging news. But again, if you're going to put a player on IR, they have to miss a minimum of seven days. So if that was the case, Stamkos, you could retroactive it to Saturday, which means he wouldn't be eligible to play until next week. So if there's a thought that he might be able to play on Saturday, you don't utilize the IR. If Kucherov and Sorelli were thought to have been out longer, you could put them on IR. But the fact that they're not, again, that would mean they would have to sit out, obviously, tonight's game, which they're going to miss, Saturday against Philadelphia, and then Monday they're in Colorado. So if you think there's a chance that any of those players can come back between now and then, you don't need to make a roster move. You don't need to put somebody on injured reserve. But McDonough, again, I haven't seen this official word, but it's the only one that makes sense that he's going to be the guy on injured reserve. So he won't even be listed as a scratches tonight for Tampa Bay as he was um, on Saturday. So I hope that clears everything up for you in terms of what the injuries are what they mean, the injured reserve situation, how all of that works from a team standpoint. Certainly there are salary cap implications as well because players on IR do count towards a salary cap. And as you know, we've had before, we had Matthew Darsh, director of Hockey Ops, on with us back in January, right before the break, talked about how you know, if, if you save a dollar today, that means $10 worth of savings on the salary cap as you look towards the trade deadline on February the 24th. So you're just trying to maximize. I, I don't think that's the case here. Again, I, I think the seven-day window is the bigger issue for Tampa Bay if they feel, because all three of those guys, Stamkos, Kucherov, and Sorelli, are listed as day-to-day. -day. So that gives you the indication they don't anticipate this being long-term. They would have, you know, they flew back from Pittsburgh after the game. Uh, both of those guys, Kucherov and Sorelli in particular, if they needed additional testing, if they needed additional x-rays, 
you know, I remember when McDonough went down against Pittsburgh, the initial diagnosis, at least coming from John Cooper, is that they, they, the belief was it wasn't as bad as they fear. But he would have went for testing the next day, probably a more detailed, you know, x-rays are only show you so much. Sometimes you have to get an MRI or a bone scan. I, I'm not a medical personnel, so I'm not going to try and guess exactly what it is. But there would have been more additional testing that probably revealed there was a little bit of a more of a, again, speculating whether it's a fracture, whatever it is, a hairline fracture, whatever it is, that, a, that an MRI would, re, uh, w would reveal more so than an X-ray. So if that's the case, if both of those players, Kucherov and Sorelli, after they return, went for additional testing, additional scans, whatever it was, and they're still listed as day-to-day, -day, that's a good sign in my mind. That's an encouraging sign in my mind. Neither of them are considered long-term. So that goes into the thought process here. So what does that mean for tonight? It means that all 20 healthy players are going to play. That means Cameron Gauntz will be in the lineup. He'll make a season debut. Of course, he played a couple of games with the team towards the tail end of last year. Um, he did take some rushes this morning as a defenseman, or as a forward, rather. So interested to see how everything is going to come together tonight in, ter in terms of the line combinations because... Uh, for the better lack of a word, Connor, it's going to be a cluster. Because the, the, the line rushes this morning during the morning skate, usually that's an indication to us who's going to play with whom. And it was all over the map today. There was no rhyme or reason to how the line rushes went. So they were a little hard to follow, a little hard to track as uh, the skate went on um, so I, I, I'm not going to give you <laughs> morning skate lines because it was really really hard to kind of keep track of but the power play obviously this affects the power play in a big way so what we saw out there uh, for the power play was the first power play unit had Andre Palat, Braden Point, Tyler Johnson, Victor Hedman and Mikhail Sergachev the second power play unit had Alex Kalorn, Yanni Gord, Carter Verhage. We talked about Verhage maybe getting a chance in the power play. So here's a chance he has uh, potentially heading into tonight to get some power play time. Uh, Pat Maroon and Kevin Shattenkirk. So it's completely changed around the power play units. Uh, it's going to completely change around the forward units as well. Um, my guess is you'll have Andre Palat with Braden Point and Tyler Johnson for the first line. Uh, then we'll have to see after that. Or, or maybe even Tyler Johnson moves back to center. You're missing, you know, um, Sorelli, who's been your second-line center for most of the year. You're missing Stamkos, who's been playing wing for most of it. Uh, so just a an absolute uh, mess in terms of what the team is going to face tonight. Things will be all over the map uh, in terms of what the personnel is going to look like. So uh, very, very um, intriguing times for a team that has been relatively injury-free. And every team has to deal with this. You know, we, we've, we saw the Penguins twice here in the last week and the issues that they have gone through with injuries to key players at, at various times through the season. 
Like I saw the stat at one point there was like $30 million uh, in cap hit on the uh, on injured reserve. So the Lightning, meanwhile, they've only had 63 man games lost to injury. Compare that with Pittsburgh the other night, which was somewhere around 215, 220 uh, in terms of man games lost by them. So, um, you know, they've been relatively free. The good news is it doesn't sound like anything is long-term here. Uh, the fact that they're called day-to-day, -day, 48 hours or two days after suffering their injuries, to me, is an encouraging sign. But, again, we'll have to kind of let it play out. As always, we'll see if we get more updates um, down the line in terms of uh, what they might be able to do uh, with this. So, again, 11-7 and seven tonight, uh, but we'll see if that seventh defenseman, Cameron Gantz, actually plays uh, forward or if he plays D. Uh, my guess is he'll get some shifts at forward on a fourth-line situation. Again, we don't know what that will look like uh, until we get to the game tonight. And just as we see, though, with the defenseman and, and Victor Hedman sometimes with the injuries that they've had on the back end with McDonough and Ruda out now, his ice time ticks up because he takes extra shifts here and there. Probably see that with the forwards as well. You know, you, you might see Braden Point get double shifted at times here or there. You know, you might see an Andre Palat get double shifted at points here or there, depending on how the game goes and the matchup situations and, and all of that. And two games still to come. You know, we'll see what, what, what it brings on Saturday because the Flyers are in town for 4 p.m. puck drop, so there's not a whole lot of time before the next game comes around to see if any of those guys will be eligible. Um, again, it was encouraging to see Steven Stamkos on the ice. He was out there from the start to practice. He left, I don't know, about 10, 10 to 15 minutes into the morning skate is when he left the ice. Uh, but encouraging that he was out there and uh, – did catch him walking around after the after the skate. He did not seem to be in uh, any distress in any way, so that's an encouraging sign, maybe looking towards Saturday. All right, let's take a quick break. Um, you are listening to Lightning Lunch on Lightning Power Play. I want to talk about the Olympics when we get back, and uh, hopefully Mark Spector will be up here in about 10, 15 minutes to talk about the Oilers. But I do want to discuss the Olympics and what that might mean moving forward for the NHL. Uh, in particular, since the Lightning have a lot of players who potentially could participate in that, what that all means and why there might now be a path for the NHL to participate in Olympics. We'll touch on that when we come back right after this. Oh, we've got more Lightning talk for you. Unbelievable. Get a heaping helping of hockey with Lightning Lunch. It's your window to wait game. On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Eric Rollinson from lightninginsider.com. Your host, getting you set for tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers. That is a 7 p.m. puck drop. Greg Lanelli has Lightning Power Play live for you tonight at 5.30. Uh, his guest will be Brian Burns, as well as Jack Michaels, who's the radio play-by-play uh, -play announcer for the Edmonton Oilers. Um, so he'll be on with Greg later. Of course, the pregame show starts at 6.30. 
I'll be on with Greg somewhere around 6.48 or so, give or take a couple of minutes uh, as part of uh, the pregame. And then, of course, I join him for second intermission where we take more of your questions. So if you have a question and you got it to me late, make sure you listen in second intermission tonight. Or if you have one that pops into your head between now and then, just uh, find me on Twitter the usual ways uh, with the Ask EE. We do that for every second intermission home and away. So... Uh, if you ever have questions and you want to interact with us here on Lightning Radio, you can do so, and me and Greg will answer your questions um, in that. All right, the Olympic situation. Obviously, the NHL did not go in 2018. It was pretty controversial at the time. They decided uh, to skip the Olympics after they had been involved in everyone since 1998. Certainly uh, some memorable moments for the sport and for the league have occurred with the NHL players participating with their country at the Olympics. Sidney Crosby's golden goal in 2010 against the U.S. in Vancouver in the gold medal game. T.J. Oshie and his run of success in the shootout against Russia. Christos Guleski's almost becoming the biggest villain in Canadian hockey history as he nearly stole a quarterfinal game for Latvia. So there's been a lot of signature moments that we talk about still to this day. The, the U.S. team destroying their, their quarters in, uh, in Japan, among them. But didn't go in 2018, and a lot of people want to throw shade at the league for saying, how can you do this? You've done it for so long. Why can't you do it now? Um, you know, the biggest obstacles to the league not participating in the Olympics in 2018 centered around the IOC and the IIHF. The league, as you know, because you're a hockey fan, shuts down for about three weeks in the middle of their season at a point in the, in the calendar year for the most part where they're the only game in town for the most part. You have the NBA going on, but there's no football. Major League Baseball is just at the beginning of spring training. So there's, there's always this window in February for the NHL to kind of capture some of the national spotlight, right? So if you shut down your league for three weeks, sure, you have the Olympics, and your players are participating. So there was always that aspect of it that was sort of the underlying situation with the ownership. But the other big part of it was the IOC is extremely guarded in everything about the Olympics when it comes to marketing, when it comes to um, uh, video usage, all that stuff. The NHL cannot use... Sidney Crosby's golden goal, which took place in Vancouver, by the way. They can't use that in any marketing whatsoever because the IOC holds that copyright on it, right? If you saw Rogers Arena that year, they even had to change the name of Rogers Arena. The boards were all completely different. There was no uh, advertising allowed to go on, anything like that. So that was a, that's a big issue. The, the, the league had to take on the cost of getting players to these these countries to participate, the insurance factor, those were the biggest issues. So when a lot of people were blaming the league for not wanting to go to the Olympics in 2018, 
they just said because the owners are greedy. But that, that wasn't the case. Because they had proven from 98 up until 2014 that they did want, they were okay with shutting down their league because it, it's, it's a global spotlight chance, right? And there's a lot of people who thought that with the NHL and, you know, they had a game in China. They've had a couple of games in China as there's an untapped market there that there was no way they weren't going to go, right? They weren't, they have to go to China because of the opportunity to market your league and your players to that part of the world. Well, now, in recent developments, the IOC and the IIHF, which have kind of reversed their, their, their stance in a lot of these areas, are now willing to maybe be more flexible in allowing some of the rights that they have to the events that take place when it comes to the hockey. They're being a little bit more flexible to releasing some of that and allowing the league to use it. They are now willing, apparently, to take on the cost of bringing players over to China, as well as picking up the insurance costs in case players get hurt. These are multi-million dollar assets, if you will, these players. If they get hurt in the Olympics, it has an effect back on the NHL and, and their team. So if, if they're willing to do that now, that opens up a huge issue, alleviates a huge issue that would have prevented the NHL from allowing its players to participate. I mean, those tournaments are a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I can tell you it stinks when the league shuts down for three weeks, right? It, especially when I was in the role that I was I mean, don't get me wrong, it was kind of nice to have a couple of weeks off. You know, maybe right about the tournament from afar. Never had the chance to go, unfortunately. I certainly saw many of my brethren go to these events. I was not fortunate enough to be able to do that. But, um, you know, there is, there is a global opportunity to showcase the sport to maybe places that, I mean, it's a unique opportunity to grab that spotlight. The whole world is paying attention to the Olympics. Every two years, summer games, winter games. Of course, the summer games are taking place this year. And then 2022 is the next winter games. So it looks like they're going to have this path now to get it done. So what I ask you guys is, you okay? Do you want the league to shut down for three weeks? and go to the Olympics. It puts more of a stress and strain, if you will, on a Victor Hedman, a Nikita Kucherov, a Steven Stamkos, a Braden Point, you know, these Andre Vasilevsky. These players are going to end up going, most likely would be involved in this. Right? So that's an extra, the extra travel involved, the extra amount of games involved. You know, Lightning players have been involved with this before, for sure. Frederick Modine won a gold medal with Sweden back in 2006. You know, but you had Modine was there. 
Brad Richards, Marty St. Louis, and Vinny LeCavalier were part of Team Canada when the games were held in Torino, Italy. So do you want to see the league return to the Olympics? Do you want to see the, the season disrupted? And remember, because this was a topic we had yesterday, right? We talked with Corey Long about this. If you shut down the league for three weeks, you know what that means? It means condensed schedules. They're not shaving games off. You're still going to get your 82 NHL games in. So this, the, the schedule is going to be condensed. You thought it was condensed this year. Look at it in an Olympic year. So is it worth it for the NHL to shut down for three weeks and take this unique opportunity? It only comes around once every four years. So this is not an every-year thing. It's only once every four years to go participate in the 2022 games in Beijing. I think it's in Beijing. It's in China. I know it's in China. That is, of course, if the entire country doesn't get wiped out by the coronavirus, which is a very scary thing. I think, I think, do they see the number today? 1,500 confirmed deaths from the coronavirus? That's scary, man. Like they just, 15 confirmed, but not this rapidly. I mean, I, I can't believe nobody yet uses the word pandemic because it's getting close to that. I, I saw today a 15th case confirmed in the U.S., this one in Texas from a um, uh, somebody who was quarantined, was in China, and then came back, and he's got it. I mean, it, does, it doesn't look like it takes much for this thing to spread. So, What's that? What, the virus? So they can find a cure? Yeah. Well, the other thing is, too, I don't know, like I, Pierre Maguire was the first one who said this, too. You know, this, is, this affects hockey sticks. I think about 70% of the sticks the players use are made in China. And some of those shops are being shut down. I think the other place, I think one of the other manufacturers is, is held in uh, Mexico. So uh, it's very interesting. So give me your thoughts on that. I want to hear them. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. Uh, Mark Spector has joined us here, so we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break. We're going to come back, and we'll talk to Mark about the Edmonton Oilers and what to expect from them tonight. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. Belly up to the bar and order some more lightning talk. Lisa, I want some more. More? This is Lightning Lunch with Eric Erlinson on Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. Getting you set for 7 p.m. game tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, pleased now to be joined by Mark Spector, who's been kind enough to come upstairs and share a few minutes with us. He works for Rogers Sportsnet, uh, longtime writer, written a couple books, too. Yes, as a matter of fact. Tick some years off my life, those books, pal. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Well, plug them. What are they? Amazon <laughs> is great. Yeah, I wrote a book in the Battle of Alberta. Uh, it was my first book, and it was a ton of fun because I grew up up there and watched it all unfold. And uh, a lot of people wouldn't remember, but for eight years in a row, the Stanley Cup, uh, the Western Conference finalists came from Edmonton or Calgary. Yep. So they had some epic wars back in the more violent days in the National <laughs> Hockey League. 
Uh, and I just uh, released a book uh, before Christmas on the World Juniors yep. tournament, which is, uh, I know that the hockey people in the United States are well aware of the World Junior, and like your listeners and followers are all in, but it's still a bit of an uncut gem down here, I think. Yep. The hockey's so fabulous, uh, and more people should know about it. Well, you know, Tampa was actually a finalist the year that it was in Buffalo a couple oh, years ago. And that's they had, right. Yeah. That was the only thing. I think that Tampa might have been able to get it, except for Buffalo pitched the outdoor game. Oh. And because uh, uh, they were they were at the very top of the list. Right. To Didn't get you guys the have the, the Frozen Four down here? They've had the Frozen Four twice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 2012 right. and 2016, I think. The like, first. This is, listen, this is, and I'm not just a Canadian guy saying this because I'm in town. This Tampa is one of Gary Bettman's uh, great victories in his southern expansion right his yep. sun belt expansion this i'm gonna say san jose i'm gonna say dallas they've been by far the top three there's still a few we're wondering about out there but uh, as you know canadian people who sort of look in the seats and don't see people in them yep. uh when i watch a game out of tampa there's people here and it's a fun place to come to a game you guys do right down here yeah yeah we're hoping that they get the world juniors i think people would uh, dig it it's a lot of fun they just opened up a new rink up uh, rankin wesley chapel which is about 25 minutes north okay what's it seat? uh it, well, it doesn't seat a ton but they could probably expand it if they needed to but it does have um i want to say that they that one seats about 900 uh, without standing room only. There's a big standing room only area up there as well. Certainly doesn't doesn't do fit those here. specs, but I think you could because you could put you know put the lower tier teams uh, that are in that group over there because we yeah, all know that. You a few more. You probably would want a few more seats in your second drink, right? Yeah. In Canada, the theory they've come across a good theory there. They play it in a. For instance, this coming year, it's in Edmonton and Red Deer. Red Deer is a Western Hockey League team. Yep. And of course, the CHL stocks that World Junior with so many players, the Canadian Junior system. So. The, the theory in Canada now is we'll have an NHL rank where Canada gets to play and then a nearby um, junior rink yep. where the other pool plays. And the junior rink is like 5,000 people. So down here you could probably get away with 2,000 people for yep. a secondary rink, right? And have a tournament. Why not? Well, and the other option, though, would be, and this is what part of the pitch was back because it was before that rink opened up, is the one down in Estero where the Florida Everblades uh, ECHL play. So right. it's a couple hours away. That. It's a bus ride away. But uh, you could do it there You could do that for as sure. As well. Okay. Uh, all right, let's talk about this Edmonton team. Um, surprising a lot of people this year because they've been in the playoff spot for most of the season. Dave yep. Tippett comes in and kind of – maybe changes things around a little bit. So what has been the biggest difference that has allowed them to, you know, instead of being the team with the greatest player in the world who could never get to the playoffs, yes. to a team that, you know, has kind of been solidified for most of the year? Uh, you know, it's, it's the guts of the team, right? We've learned this in hockey, and I think people in Tampa have learned this too, that you can have a bunch of great players. It doesn't mean you got a great team. Yep. And in Edmonton, you know, uh, Connor McDavid has a career year. So does Leon Dreisaitl. So does Ryan Nugent Hopkins. They all have career years last year. They missed the playoffs. So what the new general manager, Ken Holland, did is he went out and signed a bunch of guys, like eight guys to one-year, you know, million-dollar contracts. Riley Sheehan, uh, Josh Archibald, uh, Marcus Granlin didn't work out so great. He's down in the minors. Um, you know, Mike Smith comes in making a little bit more than a million bucks, but They've really just, he, he got some guts on this team. Gaetan Haas is a kid they brought over. He's been pretty good. He, he built some, they can kill a penalty, right? They got some, they got some guys that can come on your, your third and fourth lines, Eric, and, and keep the puck out of your net. 
you know, can all be about your skill, guys. There are defensive zone starts in every game, you may have noticed. <laughs> a few of them here or there. <laughs> and you got to be able <laughs> to survive those two when you don't have the puck. So that's that's the difference in this team. They got more more body to their lineup. A guy like Riley Shane's been a you know, nice move. He's obviously a Florida guy at one point. Uh, he's helped. He wins face-offs and does all those dirty little things that you might not notice on a score sheet, but they help you win. Uh, and the emergence of Dreisaitl. We know McDavid is out tonight. Um, Dreisaitl, of course, finished right up there. At 50, one of the, what, him and Ovechkin, only 50-goal scorers That's right, 50 last year. Guys. Yep. Um, you know, now with McDavid out for a couple of weeks, we've seen this with Evgeny Malkin in Pittsburgh. Yes. When Crosby goes down, Malkin all of a sudden raises his game and he gets into the MVP conversation. Is yeah, this an cool, opportunity eh? for Dreisaitl to kind of be that guy to maybe elevate this team with, with Connor out for a couple weeks? Yeah, let's see, right? And that's exactly – this is – you know, Edmonton hears that Malkin-Crosby comparison all the time. Yep. Uh, Edmonton is – the reason they're not as good as a team like Tampa in the standings is they, they don't have enough. They don't have enough wingers to go with those two good centermen. You know, they need another at least one top six winger here uh, to sort of, you know, to take the next step. But in terms of separating McDavid and Dreisaitl, who had played together a lot, uh, everybody kept saying, Edmonton, you got to go to the Crosby-Malkin model. They can't play together all the time. There's yeah. not enough players. So they're finally there. They've got them apart for the first time in their career. Uh, the Yamamoto kid has come up and sort of filled out the top six. They got them apart. And now we do this. Connor McDavid gets hurt, and everyone says, "Well, when Crosby gets hurt, it's Malkin always steps <laughs> up, man." So the the only you know the difference now for Drysaddle is like I know he's getting Headman all night long tonight. Whereas if McDavid's playing, Headman might never leave the ice. Right. <laughs> yeah. If McDavid's playing now, you won't. You know, somebody doesn't have to have Headman all night long. Yeah. So it gets tougher for Drysaddle now. And in his first game against the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, without McDavid, he had four points. So. I'll be interested to see how he and that line does now that they're the number one line on this team by some measure. The number they've got like a first line, and then they, I would say they got about a third line and two fourth lines. The orders, so you're catching them at the right time. Yeah, well, same it, with your guys. It all <laughs> evens out, right? Because no Stamkos, no Kucherov, no Sorelli uh, tonight. Huge, no McDonough. Eh? Yeah, that's it's, it's got to be a hard blow. on the aftermarket. Tickets, <laughs> yeah, I'm how about say. that? I I even had somebody on Twitter who said that they actually watched Stamkos and Sarnia a lot. They came in town. They thought this would be a great time to catch Aww. McDavid. They wanted to see Kucherov, and now you don't. Uh, you get none of that. So uh, it, it it is just bad timing because it's only the one time here anyway that these two teams meet. Yeah. Uh, again, we're joined by Mark Spector from uh, Rogers Sportsnet. Find him on Twitter at Sportsnet Spec. And Mark, you bring up Yamamoto. Tyler Johnson was a popular guy in the lightning room this morning from you guys in yeah. the Edmonton media because he is from Spokane. He does know Tyler. Tyler has uh, been kind of a mentor in a lot of ways, a training partner within the summer. Uh, so tell us about Yamamoto. He's a first-round draft pick, uh, up and down last year, has come up this year, and he really looks a little more comfortable in his game and what he can add to this team. Yeah, he's the guy you pick in the first round, and he needs a little time in the minors. Like, he's not... You know, Edmonton is notorious for, for bringing up kids at 19 and putting them in the league. And, you know, how's that been working for you, yeah. right? You missed the playoffs 12 to 13 years. So uh, one thing about Ken Holland, he's far more patient. Uh, the team's a little better, so they can afford to keep a guy in, in the minors. And Yamamoto's been down there. And now he comes up and he's ready to play. He's ready to make an impact. And he's a cool story. His Tyler Johnson's mom is, as everyone listening probably knows, is the skating guru in Spokane yep. 
And Tyler was telling me this morning, he said, yeah, every time my mom had ice, I'd go to help her, but just to skate. And he says, I remember Kyler Yamamoto coming out when he was two years older, <laughs> you know, 22 months or something like that, Kyler said. He says, so so Johnson remembers this guy when he was barely, you know, a toddler. Yep. Um, and he watched him come up and he watched him play and they both played for the Spokane Chiefs and you know, they're they're it's pretty cool. I mean, Spokane hadn't turned out many hockey players, man. Yeah. <laughs> right? Washington hasn't turned out many. So to have two from Spokane is yeah, really Spokane cool. Yeah, for Spokane is really cool. And they're the same guy. They're both the undersized, highly skilled, quick guy, right, that was told their whole career, oh, man, I don't know, you're probably too small to do this, right? And it's kind of cool. They're coming out of the same place that hasn't produced many. Uh, they got two, and they're kind of prototypes of each other, huh? Yeah, well, there was a lot of talk and maybe hope that uh, that draft year that because uh, he was right around that range that Tampa was picking mm -hmm. that maybe maybe they would go down that route. But uh, I think that was the year they took Cal Foot. Yeah, Johnson um, said he was trying to convince them. Yeah, to take Cal of course, of course. Yeah. And they probably privately said, "We got one little guy from Spokane, man. We don't need another." <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you can strike lightning twice. Hey, 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 maybe not. Hey, hey, Yamamoto can play. <laughs> Uh, the cool thing about him that I think, as a, just as an observer of the game, is he's this little guy, right? He's like 150 pounds, and he's five foot eight, maybe. But he goes in the corner with guys like Hedman, and geez, he comes out with a puck, and you go, "How the heck was he doing with that puck? Like you're not supposed to get the puck from that guy," and he does, and it's been a, and you know, on a relatively consistent basis. I'm not saying just Hedman. Hedman's a great player, but he gets steals pucks from guys twice his size. And if you take one from him, he's not a big circle guy. He hits the brakes, and he comes flying back at you to get that buck from you. He's a, he's a tenacious little bulldog, and you always cheer for the little guy, right? Yeah. Well, he's a little guy. There's a few of them here, right? Tyler Johnson, <laughs> Braden Point, he's not a big guy. Yeah. You know, Yanni Good Gord's player. not a big guy. Good so, player. Uh, yeah, we see that. Um, last one I hit you with here, uh, the Battle of Alberta. You brought it up because you wrote a book on it. Yep. Uh, uh, erupted a couple of weeks ago. Um, just how was that atmosphere leading up to it? Because there was so much talk with, with the Cassian and Kachuk stuff. We always know it's usually not the first game back where the fireworks stop. Right. You know, you had the fight. It wasn't much of one, but Whatever. it was settled. Sure, right. But you knew three days later they were going to meet again. That yeah. that might have been the boiling point, and it certainly did erupt. So what was that atmosphere like that night? Oh, it was great, especially as a guy that lived through it in the 80s when they did fight all the time. You know, the 80s was a really violent time. Uh, no, it was a real throwback because you got to remember that it's kind of like Tampa, Florida, your rivalry here. Florida hasn't been good enough yep. over the years to make it a true rivalry. Have they ever played in the playoffs? They never played, no. right? Nope. And that's not Tampa's fault. In fact, fault. I want to say only three times have they actually been in the playoffs in the same year. Right. And that's not years. Tampa's fault because yeah. Tampa's been generally pretty good. Uh, and in Alberta, it's the same thing. Edmonton hadn't been any good. They haven't made the playoffs enough. So this rivalry has died up there, frankly. They don't ever play important games because they're never both good teams. So now, you know, they meet last month, and they, they're both in the thick of things at the top of the Pacific, so that's important. Uh, Calgary's got this Kachuk cat who puts the black hat on, and he stirs everything <laughs> up. Everyone in Edmonton just hates this guy, which makes for good hockey. Yep. And uh, Cassian's a big, tough hombre, and everyone's waiting – looking at their watch, waiting for him to throw down. And, oh, man, and then you get a goalie fight. Yeah. Like a goalie <laughs> fight. You know, in Canada, like, we'd, we should have a, we should have like a, a bill, a, a, a currency note, 
we always put our prime ministers on these. Hell, we should put a goalie fight on our $20 bill because that's how much Canadians dig a goalie fight, right? Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I had uh, I had Mike McKenna, former NHL yeah. goaltender, on the show uh, when Vegas was in town a couple weeks. It was right after this happened. So I asked him, why do we like goalie fights so much? Yeah. And he had a great answer. He said, it's just a butt couple of big dumb circus animals out there with all that padding on and all that fighting you know but he he loved it obviously as a former goalie but he also pointed out the last time an NHL goalie scored a goal 2013 the last time there was a goalie fight 2013 oh here we are how about that little nugget Pekka Salani that's right right has scored (laughs) yeah that's pretty cool yeah so that's kind of fun that's some good trivia yep uh, hey, Mark, uh, appreciate you coming upstairs here and joining a few minutes for us, giving us some insight on Edmonton. Uh, we'll look for your work on uh, Sportsnet, and uh, yeah. we'll see you tonight. Looking forward to being back in the rink in about uh, about five hours. Yep. I'll be here all day. So. All right, partner. All right, thanks, Mark. I appreciate it, man. Good stuff. <laughs> all right, Mark Spector from Rogers Sportsnet. Again, make sure you check out his work at uh, sportsnet.ca as well as uh, on Twitter. Find him at sportsnetspec. All right, we're going to take another quick break. We're going to get to your questions and comments when we come back right after this. This is Lightning Lunch with LightningInsider.com's Eric Erlinson. You can eat that? Or that? No. Yes. No. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Yeah. On Lightning Power Play. All right, welcome back to Lightning Lunch here on Lightning Power Play. I uh, hope you enjoyed that interview with Mark Spector. Great guy. Uh, known him for a uh, number of years. Um, used to work for one of the papers out there, but I, ever since I've known him, he's been with uh, Rogers Sportsnet, uh, does a great job covering not just the Oilers, but uh, the NHL as well. Uh, all right, comments and questions, uh, if you have them, squeeze them in, use the hashtag AskEE on Twitter, uh, or email me, and we're going to start with, um, let me go down the list here from my AJC. Uh, was at the Pittsburgh game and got to see Yanni and the drought Tuesday night. Had a lot of opportunities and definitely can see his speed on a different level. Do you think he'll be in the top six tonight and start scoring like he was in the last two seasons? As far as he's, if he's in the top six, I don't know. I didn't see the line combinations. My guess is he'll stick with uh, Verhage and Stevens because I think that line has been pretty effective even though the – Scoring hasn't been there. The point production hasn't been there. They've done so many good things. Um, I don't know if John Cooper will want to stick with that. You know, with with Stamkos, uh, Kucherov, and Sorelli all out tonight, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of shuffling around that's going to have to take place. Um, he is a guy that they could put into that situation, though. He's done it before in the past. Um, he's got the speed. He's got the tenacity. He's got the hockey IQ to get all that done. Uh, I do think this is going to help open him up a little bit in terms of his production. I know it was weighing on him uh, pretty good that, you know, he hadn't been, been producing. So uh, I think that this can be, you know, we've said it, and I, I know I've had it with uh, Greg Lanelli since we've been on as well, that uh, goals come in bunches, right? The saying that Guy Boucher used to have, they're like bananas, they come in bunches, and hopefully this is a chance for – uh, Yanni Gord to finally find the back of the net because you can see the relief not just in him, but it, his team as well. His team really felt good for him to score, and you can see how much it meant to them as well. Uh, from Paul, hi Paul. Uh, what's the latest on Ruda? And he followed that up. If he's also still out, wouldn't he? He and McDonough both have to be placed on IR. Um, yeah, 
when Ruta was originally injured last week, and John Cooper made the statement that it was going to be at least a few weeks before they even started having a conversation about where he's at in his recovery. Believed to be some sort of an ankle issue, maybe a high ankle sprain. Those can be tricky and can be tough to recover from. Usually, I think the time frame that most players who suffer a high ankle sprain, depending on the severity of it, is usually a three to a six week window. So, we, you know, if that's the case. And as far as uh, McDonough being played on IR, he had to have been the guy. You know, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show. Ruda's already on IR. To bring up Volkov yesterday, they had to make a corresponding move. The team does not announce, and they've never done this for whatever reason. They don't announce when they place players on IR, but there's no doubt it's Ryan McDonough that's on IR to open up the spot to be able to call up Volkov yesterday because you already had Cameron Gons here. Um, from Stephanie, besides tonight with the injury situation, what's the reason the power play has been so unsuccessful the past few weeks? Have they become too predictable and teams are making adjustments? Uh, I will answer that this way, and I also ask you, Stephanie, listen in. No, don't listen in. Never mind. Um, I did talk with Chief this morning, Bob the Chief Taylor. He mentioned how they're not shooting enough. They're kind of passing out of situations. Uh, Victor Hedman in particular, and his shots have been missing the net that he's had. I would like to see Nikita Kucherov shoot, even though you know we know he's not going to be in the lineup tonight. Uh, he's a guy I would like to see shoot the puck on a more consistent basis. Uh, I don't think they become necessarily too predictable. I think they need to move the puck a little bit quicker. I think their decision-making needs to be a little bit quicker. And we're not even talking, you know, fractions of a second here. You know, and their puck recovery, which is a, a big key for them in their power play, is kind of been absent a little bit. I, I, have, I don't have any concern that this is going to be a major concern for this team. You know, they got the power play goal the other night from Mikhail Sergachev by just putting a puck on net. Uh, from Gary, is Matthew Joseph slowly getting pushed out of the lineup with Stevens and Verhage performing so well? Yeah, he was already pushed out of the lineup, right? He didn't show a whole lot, um, certainly not as much as he did last year. You always look for players in their second year. As the league adjusts to them, how are they going to adjust back to the league? Uh, I think we certainly need to see more out of Matthew Joseph. Uh, when Joseph was sent down in December, it was Stevens that was called up to make his debut, and he has looked really, really good. Uh, for a prolonged period of time since he's been called up. He wins face-offs, his speed, his forecheck, uh, penalty killing, all the stuff that he does bring to the ice has kind of, you know, he's taken the spot from Matthew Joseph. And, you know, it can be an unforgiving league. If you don't improve, if you don't play up to your full potential and improve, there's always somebody looking to take your job. And I don't care if that's Matthew Joseph or it's Nikita Kucherov. There's always somebody looking to take your job. Some hang on to their jobs more easily than others, but there's always somebody looking to do so. Um, all right, a couple of questions via email. Uh, the first one from Rich. Uh, we talked about uh, the IR. Uh, again, McDonough was the guy that was put on IR. Uh, Julian Breezeblaw working the cap really hard. For what reason? Rather odd to be prepared to play a game under. They're not undermanned. They have 20 players dressing tonight. They have 20 dressing. Uh, seems like a good time to see if Jamel Smith 
Uh, Corey Conacher, Alex Barry Belay, enough for the postseason as opposed to the chatter of a trade to bolster the bottom six. Well, you know who Corey Conacher is. You know what he can bring. I don't think there's any question marks on his game. We saw Jamel Smith early in the year. I think we know the, what he can bring. He has the speed, certainly, to, to, to keep up in this system. We don't know about Alex Barry Belay. Uh, he was some guy, he was somebody that I mentioned yesterday that could be a possibility if you're looking for offense. Uh, they went with Volkov, who I thought, again, looked very, very good in his second call-up compared to his first. Now let's see how he does here in his third, especially with an opportunity maybe to get a little bit more ice time. Um, are any of the wounded truly day-to-day? -day? So he doesn't want to have to move a guy who'd have to sit for seven days. We did mention that in the beginning. I'm aware the injury reserve payroll counts differently. It doesn't. Actually, there's no cap relief for a guy on IR unless they're on long-term IR, and you can't go on long-term IR until you miss 10 games in 30 days. So guys on injury reserve still count against cap. They're still getting paid. Um, uh, you know, and look, I mean, Cameron Gauntz has had a good year. He was an all-star at the AHL level. You know, you're not getting a huge drop-off here. Um, you know, he was brought up to save salary cap space. Uh, he was brought up as insurance, and now they need to, to utilize him. So that's, to me, that's the big reason um, here with, with that situation. Uh, from Chris, uh, how is the injury bug affecting the room at large? We still have a great team with Hedman, Sergachev, Kalorn, Point, Vasilevsky, Shattenkirk, Stevens, Gord, and everyone else. Sure have lost a lot of, a lot of fire to fire, but the team is stacked with ability. There's no doubt. Like, I've seen some people... Uh, talk about, oh, bring on the Syracuse Lightning or the, the Tampa Bay Crunch. There's only three players here, really, from the Crunch. It's Matthew Joseph, Mitchell Stevens. Okay, four, if, if we count Stevens. But Stevens has been here for a month. Really, it's just three, if you think about it. It's Gauntz, it's Joseph, and it's Volkov. I mean, every team goes through injuries. You know, we just talked to Mark about the absence of Connor McDavid. It's a huge loss. Every team goes through the injuries. Um... So it's going to have an effect. There's no doubt. You don't lose players of that caliber and not feel the loss. There's no doubt. Um, and the last one, the last comment we'll get to before we check out comes from Rossi about the Olympic situation. Uh, I'm originally from Germany and love the Olympics. Watch the miracle on ice on German TV. Showing your age there. Um, and think the NHL should participate. For all European players, there's nothing better and to compete for their nation. And this also comes more popular in areas of the world where you cannot watch NHL games as we do. Absolutely. That's where I think this is a marketing opportunity that doesn't come along very often that you can get to, right? If you can showcase your players and your top players in a place like China, sort of an untapped market, you know, they've been playing some preseason games over there. I agree. I like the NHL at the Olympics. Uh, the disruption in the schedule certainly is um, a nuisance for sure. But I think the bigger picture here is what they have uh, an opportunity to grow the game. And I think that's what it all comes down to. All right. That's going to wrap up today's show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to Mark Spector uh, for coming up and joining us for a few minutes. Thanks to Paul. Thanks to Rossi. Thanks to um, – I lost him here. What did I do? Okay, here it is. Uh, thanks to Gary. Thanks to Stephanie. Uh, thanks to AJC, thanks to Chris, thanks to Rich. Everybody, I love the interaction. Keep it up. That's what makes this show so popular. Uh, I hope you get something out of it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at noon. We'll talk about this game. We'll talk about the weekend game against the Flyers as well. And, of course, as always, take your questions. Thanks to Connor Zielinski for making it all sound good and put together. 
Again, Tampa Bay Lightning at 7 p.m. tonight, hosting the Edmonton Oilers. Greg Lanelli has Lightning Power Play live for you at 5.30. Pre-game show starts at 6.30. Telecast with Dave Michigan and Phil Esposito at 7. I'll be back at noon tomorrow, so until then, bye-bye, everybody.